Life's too short to be in uncomfortable bras or uncomfortable relationships, and that includes the one you have with yourself. This is my absolute favorite quote from this episode of Self-Love Ignited, where I am chatting with Holly Hughes. Holly is absolutely hilarious. There is so much laughter and joy in this episode, and that is because that is who she is. She has not always been that way. Holly has been through a lot of challenges, a lot of heartache, and yet today she is incredibly inspiring. Holly is an intuitive healer, award-winning author, and public speaker. She has written a book called Real Not Perfect, How to Become Your Happy Authentic Self, and this book helps you stop hiding behind people's expectations and helps you to discover the version of you that you really want to be. Cannot wait for you to meet Holly. Dive on in. My name is Katie Allen, and this is Self Love Ignited. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Self Love Ignited. Today on the podcast, I am interviewing Holly Hughes. Holly, I am so excited to have you here with me. Why don't you just take a moment and introduce yourself to everybody before we get into all the juicy stuff? Awesome. I am Holly Hughes. I am an author and intuitive healer. I'm up here in the States, in the South, in North Carolina. Very cool. Very cool. And are you from North Carolina? I am not. I have moved a lot. <laughs> um, I grew up in New York on Long Island. If um, I do not identify as a New Yorker, which is me being really snarky about that. Um, I went to school in D.C., and when I graduated, the first ticket, I, I got my first credit card, which was a visa. And with it, I got a $99 round trip ticket to anywhere in the contiguous United States. And I thought, where's the furthest place I can go? And it was California. I had a friend who lived in LA. So I went to visit him. I really liked it. A month later, I visited again. I really liked it. I came back, left my roommate four months of rent and moved them by Monday. I just crashed on my friend's floor, called a place that someone I know had gotten an internship and I didn't think they were all that smart. And I was like, well, if so-and-so got a job there, psh, I could. And they're like, can you start Monday? And I said, yes. And I had to borrow a map because there was no Google maps in that day. Back in the day, it was like a 200 page book of Los Angeles streets because LA is 50 square miles of a city. Wow. And I didn't know anything. The hardest thing to get used to was West was water, right? Because yeah. I was on, from the East Coast, that flipped me around. But there's really good landmarks like mountains and tall-ish buildings. Yep. So I lived there for 18 years. Did a sabbatical in Colorado because I had a starter marriage that was awful. Got divorced. Went there. Remembered who I was. Was going to consider move back to LA. Then 9/11 happened. So I mean, so I was going to go to New York. 9/11. I was like, not going to New York. Went back to LA. Lived there for a while met my husband, had a kid. Then we were like, do we want a life where we have to work hard to get by or one we can enjoy? Mm. And we decided to go for one we can enjoy, which is completely radical for so many people I talk to, but we were like, all right, whatever. He fell in love with Charlotte. And I said, okay. And in my head, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to live in the South. <laughs> and then I came here and it was nothing like any of the stereotypes or anything that I thought of my preconceived notions. Just like when I moved to LA, my preconceived notions of what it was, it wasn't like that completely. There's other bits to it. So I came here, 
I've been here for a decade now, which I cannot believe. I cannot believe that. Um, but it's a really great place for my family. So here I am. I love that. I love that it's it started out with just like a free ticket. Where can I go? And please excuse the dogs in the background. We're just going to allow them to be part of the episode today. <laughs> They're happy. They're happy. They're happy. But no, I love that you just started with like one little ticket, like, let's see where this can take me. And it's just become, it's like your whole life and travel and adventure and trying new things. And they're going to be done barking now. It's totally fine. Yeah. I'm a big believer of why not? Like I say yes a lot, which, um, it sometimes gets me into a little bit of trouble, but (laughs) For the most part, I really, I like the adventure of it. The whole idea of staying where I grew up, not where I grew up is beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. It's not that, but I didn't fit. I didn't fit there. And, um, I couldn't wait to leave. And DC was awesome because for me, it's a cultural center. There's people from all over the world, literally. So I was very sheltered. I didn't grow up anywhere near Manhattan. I was like an hour and a half away. So like for me, when I got to the city and I saw, people and places and things from all over. I was like, yes. And then they were conservative. And I was like, no, I'm not really that either. Um, So when I went to LA, I wasn't weird at all. Like compared, like I'm pretty normal out there. So for me, that was an amazing welcoming. And I loved that. But for me, for that phase of life, when I became a parent, it wasn't the best fit anymore. So Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Beautiful. So this podcast, Self Love Ignited, is obviously all about self-love and your relationship with yourself and really telling the stories of women just like you who have come from a place of not liking parts of themselves, not loving parts of themselves, to really embracing all that they are. And I know, Holly, you and I have chatted very briefly before this, so I know, you know, a tiny little bit of your story, but I would love for you to share with all of us, you know, what did that story look like for you? Where did your challenges with yourself begin? I think for me, I don't even remember what we said then. I don't want to disappoint you, but don't, like whatever, whatever is my, my challenges is like, like for right for today is like, I really just think I, I was brought up in a home where I just was a people pleaser, right? I just was like the bridge in that house. Um, and I thought that I could handle it all because, you know, whatever was going on with my parents, I wanted to just take on the burden of whatever it was, right? Um, in hindsight, as an adult, I realized that my dad was an alcoholic and my you know mom was navigating that. And so that influenced how I saw things. So to me, I had to I had an incredible drive. I still have to be really good at what I do. And I was a dancer and my dance teacher was horribly cruel and mean, right? And so when I hit puberty, I did not look like a dancer with, you know, double D breasts and an ass and some thighs and, and, and she would like punish you for maturing, (laughs) right and then um as I got older you know other things happened to me um I want to be brief about that stuff because it's all so sad but I was sexually assaulted at 15 and that was my first experience and so that also I was like I didn't tell anyone I didn't understand that it was rape and then I thought what did I do what did I do and how did I lose control? How did this person who's five years older than me even consider that? 
an option, like, you know, and like, I just not having power. So for me, I got really good at just feeling when I was young as an object for other people to do things to. Yeah. Right. So I, my boobs were giant. And so, um, when I was 21, I begged my family for a reduction Mm -hmm. so that I wouldn't just be that. So women, I felt when I was younger, judged me, I must be a slut because I had big boobs, right? I must be stupid because I had big boobs and guys just wanted to do things to them that I didn't like, right? And that's all I was. I was not creative. I wasn't funny. I wasn't pretty. I wasn't anything. I was a set of tits, right? And that for me, when I got the reduction, I was, it was an amazing turn of life for me because suddenly I felt like something else, like I had lost weight and like, because I just was hiding, right. You know, like I was hiding in clothes. I was hiding in weight. I had, you know, guilt and shame over what had happened to me and I hadn't expressed it. Like, and that is how I saw myself as a whole. And it took um, an amazing turn of events. So I think for me, like the turning point of seeing me physically different was when my starter marriage ended. Mm. So I call him that because I was with him from 23 to 28. And my only rule, the only thing that I use as a mechanism to decide if he was a good enough partner for me is if I fit in his pants, because he was tall and skinny. (laughs) I was like, if I fit in his pants, I'll be with him. So within a month of knowing him, we moved in together. Right. And then all he did was I would get dressed up and he'd be like, you sure you want to wear that? I don't like those shoes. I'll love you as long as you don't gain any more weight. Oh, I'll look. Wow. oh yeah. Or I would make a meal for a bunch of people and he wouldn't help at all. And he would show up at the table and tell me how awful it was. Right. I was never enough. So he was the epitome of the worst things I said to myself about myself coming at me. And for five years, he picked away until one day a girl came up to me at work and said, do you know every day at three o'clock you cry? And I said, what are you talking about? And I was her boss. I was like, fuck, I was like, no, what are you saying to me? And she's like, every day, do you know that you cry? I was like, no, three o'clock that day, I walk into the bathroom and I see I am crying and I had no awareness. Wow which is crazy. Cause again, I'm an intuitive healer and I'm full of sensory overload, but mm-hmm. then I didn't trust it. How could I rely on it when I was denying so much of who I was? Right. And so that girl gave me a card to a therapist and that woman, she literally saved my life. I think she helped me understand so much about myself and accept so much about myself and slowly love so much about myself. Mm-hmm. So her name was Brenda. She was just like amazing. And it took time and it took me to be brave enough to feel everything that I was shoving down with food that I shoved down with alcohol myself. Not that I drank like my dad ever, but it was just, I knew the only coping mechanisms I had were those numbing tools. And I had to be brave enough to face it and then be like, no, no. Yeah. And, and now that couldn't happen in my life. Cause I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so there's so many things in your story that are just amazing. And I also think that so many people will really relate to, you know, like that. I know for you, you said it was your boobs, right? That was like the big mm-hmm. part of your body that was, that stood out and that made you feel really uncomfortable. And that's all people saw. And like, you became 
your boobs. Like here you were walking yeah. through, but it was like your boobs came first and you came after. And if I ever showed up in the room, if ever, like it was right. just like people never even looked at me. Right. They would just be like literally staring at my chest and finding clothes was impossible then too. Like there's a way more body inclusivity, even in underwear, yeah. my bras could invade an army when I was a kid. Like that shit had metal in it. It had like 17 hooks in the bag. There's probably archers like, but they, like I could hold, stand them up and they would be like fortress. That didn't make me feel good. When I got my reduction, I hit Victoria's Secret and I bought so many beautiful things, mm -hmm. beautiful underwear, not for anybody else. Yeah. But because I finally felt feminine. Yeah. Yeah. So can I ask, was the starting to see this therapist that this beautiful friend at work introduced you to, which, you know, I mean, I think we all need that person who will sort of be total like, stranger didn't really know her. I didn't know her. She was just someone who worked for me. She's like, you need help. Yeah, I think we all need that person sometimes who was just like, I see you. And I don't think you even see you, but I see you. And I want you to get better and you deserve better. Like what a beautiful gift for yourself. I think that's why, why I do what I do now. Cause I feel like I get to do that for people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how did that impact your starter marriage as you call it? Was that like the beginning of the end of that as well? How did that affect? That's a really good question. I, um, I think the therapy was definitely the beginning of the end. I, I was struggling so much. Um, and, and she helped me be brave enough to leave because he was so um, mentally and emotionally abusive. Right. So I think when, when he moved out, I'd learned from the neighbor that he'd been beating our dog. So I was probably really close to being physically harmed without having any conscious understanding of that. Um, he thought I was cheating on him. I'm not a cheater. And like, he showed up just like randomly sometimes to see, you know, when we had separated, if I had, I'm like, not a cheater, dude. So whatever. But I think I could have never picked him if, if I was healed. So for me, I thought if I could love him enough, I can make him happy. And that's one of the big bad lies out in the world. That's like, I think women in general are super nurturing. And if they see someone in pain, they want to help. Yeah. And I took that to such a, a level that was extreme. But my, my big lesson I love sharing with people is like, you don't have to sacrifice to love in order to receive it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So tell us about sort of starting therapy, starting this process to tell us, bridge the gap between then and now, because now you are like bubbly and like vivacious and talkative and confident and like you have all this beautiful energy about you. And I'm sure that didn't just happen overnight. Yeah, I think, I think that this is who I was. And if you knew me at work during my marriage, you might not have known what was going on because at work was an environment I could control. I could control what I looked like. I would wear clothes at, I, as I call as my armor. So put together and trendy and fun or whatever. Um, so what, as I built confidence, I knew what he was doing was, was just literally killing my, my bit. So my, my therapist called it, I got, he, pecked away at me such tiny little pieces until there was really nothing left. It took me 
I think three years of therapy, but I think it honestly took almost um, 28. He was not invited into the year that I turned 28, 28, 29, 30. I think it took three years to really put me back together. Yeah. So like it took me, I had to, one of my things was, I think he used to say, cause I remember having a fight with a boyfriend after you don't remember what I say. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, but I totally don't drive my husband crazy too. Thank God for smartphones. I have a bajillion alarms, but no, but you know what I'm doing during the day when you're like being petty about something that I didn't remember, I'm working full time. Right. I'm commuting an hour and a half each way. Oh, my work day at the time was 12 to 16 hours long. So if you need apple juice, get your up and get it. Right. But it, I wasn't like that. I was like, oh, I should do that for you. Of course you're not capable. No, I think, um, that just doesn't work. But anyway, with the therapy, I put my pieces back together again. And then I just kind of always had these gifts that I have. And then I just started paying attention. I really started paying attention to what was good. I had to let go of some friendships and like, it just is a rejiggering and it's scary and it could be hard, but it's so worth it. It's so worth being you whole and complete and like loving yourself. Now, am I going to say that I always love myself? (laughs) No, I'm like (laughs) a human female person and I've hit in the age bracket of 50 and above and we are invisible. We are invisible. I'm either mom or someone's wife or the lady who does, but to be seen as a whole person right now is a, is a new discovery for me. Like how you balance that part, because my daughter's a teenager. So I don't want certain attention when I'm around her. I want her to build her own self-esteem and self-confidence, but there is that like, and this is who I am and that matters. And I'm not going to belittle or not shine because of you but I'm going to give you the space to do the same. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. And I think that's only something you can experience, obviously, as you move through different stages of life. Yeah, I think somebody like I'm younger than you. So I always and I'm not a mother. So I can't understand that, you know, we're just different stages of life. But that's so interesting. I never would have thought about that. I never would have sort of you know, pictured that, but that really does make sense. It's like finding this new identity almost. And like, who are you in the world now? Other than yeah, my contemporaries or kids are at university, right? I started later. I'm glad I started later. I had a lot of life. Oh, my, you know, like I did a lot of things. I traveled, I met people, I dated a lot. And I think that's super important in figuring out who you are. Mm. I think there are a lot of young people who come to me. They're like, but I'm, I don't know who I'm going to be in love with forever. I'm like, you're 24. (laughs) Don't, I don't want you to know who you want to be with when you're forever, because when you're five, when you become eight, you don't like the toys when you were five at 16, you don't want to play with them. So you grow so much in your twenties. And for me, I'm, I try to give the space to my daughter to know, Hey, I want you to try career or two. I want you to go travel the world. I want you to figure out who you are and what makes you tick and how you want to earn a living. And if you're lucky enough to do the thing that brings you passion and earn a living, sometimes that's not possible, but you can and still do both things. Totally. I just think whatever the quote American dream is, it just needs to be revised. It doesn't work anymore. The world <laughs> isn't like that. But I just think we have to give ourselves time and permission to love the phase we're in, right? 
the ups and downs and believe me, there's they're in all of it. And then still know that I am still me. Like I have the same sense of humor from when I was younger. Like, you know, like I'm, my package is just aging. And that's kind of, that's the tough part to see, right? Like, you know, I'm like, I'm laughing and I'm cracking up, but I get acne and wrinkles now. And I just feel like that's somehow wholly unfair. And I'm going to have to go find a natural path to help me with that because that's not fair. <laughs> just not like, <laughs> That's wrong. Yeah. If, if stuff is going to get wrinkly and saggy, there should not be acne with it. Yeah. No acne on the wrinkles. Like choose one, one or the other. Oh, I'm with yeah. you. I'm with yeah. You. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so what are some things that you do? I want to get into your work because I find that <laughs> fascinating, but sort of before we do that, what are some things that you do for yourself now? You can call it self-care. You can call it whatever you want. Yeah. But, but what are some things that you do for yourself now that sort of keep you connected to your true self? Like your real self, your inner self, make sure that you're never going to oh, leave. You yourself. don't have to. I know what it is. It's, it's always dance for me. It's dance to dance, dance or dance. Yeah. Or I, I really love gardening too, but nothing fills me with joy more than dance nothing. So when I was younger and I didn't know how to express my feelings or knew what I was feeling, I could dance happy or sad or exhausted or angry. And I could just leave it all there. And, and as I'm older, I haven't ever lost that love. Like I love it. So pre pandemic, every Thursday night was my African dance class. And I would drive 45 minutes there, cranky, cranky woman in traffic would get there. The minute I heard, I'm not good at drumming. Don't judge me. Um, there was a community of women and, you know, um, I, we, I even performed with them and like, I missed them. I missed the drummers. I missed the people. And it was an hour and a half of dancing. I um, didn't have to be the best in the room. I always tried my hardest, right? That's always a thing, but no one asked me for anything. I didn't look at my phone the whole time. It was just pure joy. And then the drive home, I didn't care. When I didn't go to dance class, I was cranky. And my family is like, you better go next week, right? Because they didn't want me to not have that joy. Um, since the pandemic, we've been kind of doing it on Zoom, but that stopped because it's not really as good. And I found I've been taking tap classes in my garage. I've been doing that to make myself happy. It's so fun tap classes in your garage oh my uh -huh. god that sounds like so much fun <laughs> I found I don't even know how he came into my feed this man came into my feed and he did tap and then I went online and I found a, a pair of tap shoes on sale like really cheap I was like I don't know if I could still do this because it was what I did when I was younger right and I put them on my feet and I went oh I could still do it like it's so fun like obviously again I'm not the best anymore am I it takes some warming up, but yeah. I'm there, I'm down. And then I watched a movie. I'm like K-dramas have been getting through me through the last four months of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And there was a Korean version of Swing Kids and it has D.O. in it. And I don't know, the cast is amazing, but there's a spectacular tap routine. And that's kind of, I was like in my house trying to like figure out the moves. And my, my husband and my kid are like, stop, just like, <laughs> I will not. I think that's the big difference between who I am now and then. Like, really, like, is what I'm doing annoy you? I guess I don't care that much because it really should. Don't look. Like, just don't look. Right. But I'm gonna stop. Am I going to be rude? No. But there's definitely I know what I need, and it's it's always 
dance or like loud music in the car and singing as widely off key as I sing, that makes me super happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably too happy, honestly. But I am there with you. I'm also a steering wheel drummer. <gasps> like, yeah, like full, like full on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And usually to like 80s rock music. Like, like that not like, like my era. I'm, I'm just like, that's like the good drum. <laughs> that, that's a good drum. I don't know. I think I was driving with my mother recently. She's like, you're always angry in the car. I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you're thumping on the wheel. I'm like, I'm dancing with my hands. She's like, oh, cause I do like, like, you know, I'm in the beat. Like, you know, now I do this in the car with my kid. I balance, you can't see people, but you're missing, you're doing body rolls. I'm, you know, I'm Mark routines. Um, and cause I can't, if I hear music, I don't know how you cannot. Like I, this is, this is exactly who I am. There's a thing called top golf in our area. And it's basically, it's, it's like a driving range for adult entertainment. So they have like holes and they have numbers on them. You score points kind of, if you hit it, da, 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 da. Basically it's a bar with a driving range. So it was one friend's, my husband's friend's birthday. And there was a group of people to the right of us and they were playing some good music right where they were. And I started, I don't know, it was a song I really liked and I just couldn't help myself. And then they're like, girl, and I'm like, what's up? And they're like, come here. And I'm like, okay. And so I went over and I started dancing with them. And my husband, my fr- his friends were like, what, what's going on? They're like, oh yeah, that happens everywhere. It's just what it happens. It's just, it doesn't upset him. He fully like, you know, go have your fun. And I danced some, and then I came over and hit some balls. And I, it was just, why deny yourself that? It doesn't hurt anyone to do it. Right. Right. See, I'm smiling. No one can tell. I have a big giant like smile even at the like at the thought of it. Yeah. I love that because that's like to me, what you're describing is the epitome of like choosing joy. Yes. You know, it's like you have in that in that moment, just use that as an example. In that moment, you could be like, no, I'm here with my husband and his friends and we're doing this and I have to like st- and like see, you know, not serious, but you know what I mean? I have to like stay in my lane. Mm-hmm. Or you're like there is some damn good music and some dancing and like, why would I not choose to allow, because I want it. Why would I not choose mm-hmm. to engage? In it wasn't that? a work event. I wasn't embarrassed. Like, you know, it was his friends, whatever they they drink way more than me. I'm not a big drinker. So I was like, you know, I think this is better. Or I, I actually get some perverse joy out of it. Our neighbors are getting ready for a party and they were playing speakers and they have um, teenage daughters as well. So there the music is out and I listen to everything every I listen to every kind of music so it was like kind of like hip-hop R&B out there and then so I can't I can't help like I, I start moving my husband's like Holly I'm like what babe what what is this bothering you I'm like doing body rolls again I'm doing like circles with my ribs just so you know and my bottom half but she can't see that so I like and I'm just like how do you hear this groove and not want to get in it and he's like you're killing me then I'll stop because you know I, you know I know the neighbor can see and I don't really care. Like if you live near me, you're probably going to see me in my bathrobe in the back of the house. And if you play music and I can hear it, I'll mm. be dancing. <laughs> don't like it. Don't look. I, that's, I think that should be the mantra for a lot of people get upset about so many things right now. If you don't like it and it's not harmful, whatever, just relax. Right. Relax a little. Right. Yeah. 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 So tell us about your work. Because I think that your work is such a beautiful reflection of you and your book 
if I can see the beautiful cover, I know nobody else can see it, but I can see the beautiful cover behind you. Tell us about your work and how this journey into like self-love and sort of discovering yourself, how did that lead you into the work that you do or how do they complement each other? Yeah, sure. So as an intuitive healer, um, I, that means that for me, I'd like a lot of people use the definitions differently. For me, as an intuitive healer, I love helping people who are stuck or in a process of transition and they need a little extra oomph where therapy isn't working for them or maybe they don't know how to exactly name what's bothering them. And I can energetically see it, right? So sort of like auras. I work with the chakra system. I'm like, I seriously go woo woo. Um, but I have all the clairs so I can see here and feel things other people are experiencing. I'm also an empath. So if a client is with me at work on the phone, zoom or in person, when they come in, my body will go bonkers. Honestly, I'll feel where they have injuries or scars. I will feel where they're attached to someone. If they have some heartache, if a job is keeping them down, if they feel stabbed in the back, I will literally feel these things and see images in my mind. And then it's a process of helping that person heal that pain. It almost always comes down to a childhood wound that's unaddressed, mm -hmm. just like mine was. And so you're acting out what you know, even though what you know is not working. Right. And then we just shift that perspective. I always give Holly healing homework because I feel like the work also has to go on outside of the room. Mm -hmm. If I was that magic, everyone on the planet would know me, but I can like help you uplift you, let you feel that divine unconditional love. And then you get to own who you are. And that's how my book came about. I was on a walk. I was like, well, how can I help more? Hmm. So help now is like, I am not emotionally connected to the outcome. Like I want the best for you. Like when I was younger, I did it because I was hiding. I needed it to feel better. I needed some sense of control. And now I just want you to feel good. Like I feel good. So it's called um, Real Not Perfect, How to Become Your Happy, Authentic Self. Because, you know, pretending to be someone is a lot of work and it's exhausting and you're not going to feel good. So in the book, it's a journey of self-discovery of who are you? Hmm. Are you who your family says you are? Hmm. Are you who your friends say you are? Are you living up to expectations that are not yours? that don't feel good, that belittle you. And like, who do you want to be? And so I have like homework. It's like part journal, part workbook. It's like a workshop in a book. And it just goes through, how do you define you? How do you want to be? Who do you want to be? How do you get comfortable with that? How do you set boundaries? How do you tell people who are using you? No. How do you like put yourself before every single other person in your life and just like literally step-by-step -step bits. And I, it's part memoir too. So I go into detail about some of the stuff that happened to me and how I overcame that obstacle to learn how to do it. I talk about self-care, but the way that you do, you know, I think many petties and all that lovely stuff is a great first step, but if that doesn't recharge your soul and make you smile like the entire time, then there's more you can do. And part of the more I always say is explore. When was the last time you did something new? Yeah. So many adults are like, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. I drive here, I go back. 
hello, we've all been cooped up for way too long. Don't you want to do something new? Like do something new. Go back to a passion that you had as a kid that you had to give up because you adulted. Right. Be a puppet person in your house if you want to play with puppets. If it makes you exceedingly joyful, who cares? It doesn't matter. I think part of it is not worrying about that judgment. Being judged hurts and it's it hurts. I'm not going to say it doesn't, but you will know when you're with your people that those judgments will be like, just keep going next. Like just, you don't have to give me that energy. Thanks so much. Bye. Right. 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 I, you said something really important in that you said the word adulting Mm. and you know, there's a lot of like memes on the internet and like funny things like, you know, I I saw this one thing recently and it was like adulting one star. Um, fucking bullshit would not recommend right like I like it's funny and we can laugh at it but it's like maybe you're giving it one star because you've taken all the fun out of life because you're not doing anything new because you're not refilling your cup and like maybe being an adult could actually be like five stars like super fun if you decided to step up for yourself right Yeah. And don't expect every day to be great. What kind of ridiculous expectation is that? It's right along with the word perfect. Every day is going to be great. I have to be happy every day. It's conversation I had with my kid literally the night before. I'm not always happy. I don't know what to do about it is what she said to me. And I said, it's okay not to be happy all the time. There is that is not possible. So I know down days and confusing days and days with anxiety are hard, but you can get through it and it's okay because trying to be happy is more work, right? So adulting is, okay, let's be responsible. People, if you're sick, stay home. Just like, let's get over this whole COVID thing, right? Like adulting would be, I don't feel good. Therefore, I will not infect my community by leaving my home, right? That's one thing. Adulting is I can pay my bills. Adulting is not borrowing money from everybody to do what you want to do. Adulting also is, ah, my battery is low. What do I need? I really need to read a good book. I really need to go for a walk in the woods. I really need how to learn to crochet, which is another thing I've done during COVID. I was like, I wonder if I can crochet. I made a squid. I'm very proud of it. Um, like it, see, she's laughing. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to, I'm going to show it to you when this is done. It doesn't have to be whatever. I want to watch Dr. Who for five hours. That will make me so happy today. I'm going to watch the episode where what's her face gets trapped in a time loop and it breaks my heart every time. Like what, whichever, like you want to watch BBC TV. That's fine. You want to go, I don't know, spray paint a wombat, like just do what go invent the Australian squirrel because that upsets me that you don't have one. Um, like, I just think, you read a joke. Like I've watched George Carlin. Do you remember that comedian? He's old and he passed away a little while ago, but he could never be in today's politically correct society. And he comes out and he says the things that are outrageous and people lighten up and laugh. I, not every moment is about justice. That's not adulting. Adulting goes up, go play with the damn dogs. These dogs really want to be played with now. Um, I think that's what adulting is, is knowing, you know, what's important for you. Hopefully that doesn't hurt anyone. If it's hurtful or or diminishes another human being, I'm going to tell you to maybe try something new. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying, but it should be joy. You should want to share it, right? You, You want that other thing to do. Like, I love your feed. I love your pictures. I love that because, you know, oh my God, what do I look like? What do I look like? Like, 
get over it. Some days I'm way over it. And some days, you know, I'm human. But I have to say in the States, body inclusivity in ads has skyrocketed. Wow. Like, and people of color on in ads is gone up. And I love seeing all beauty, beauty, not starvation. Yeah. Yeah. Real, real, real people, real bodies, real joy. To Mm -hmm. me, that is beauty. Beauty is not, you know, us all being cookie cutters of each other and all just doing the right, quote unquote, the right thing. I'm beautiful because I tick all the boxes. No, you're beautiful when you're yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I lived in LA for 18 years. I know how hungry everyone is and I know what they do to be that. And we, we wrote a lot of prescriptions for that. I'm just saying like, I like, there's just, it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, so there's one, there's a one more question that I really yes. want to ask you. And it's something that I ask everybody who I have on the podcast, because I feel like it's really important. And this is, how do you feel about the term self-love? Does that feel true to you? Do you feel like you have had like a self-love transformation? Has it been more self-discovery, self-acceptance? Like what feels true to you? I think... I'm going to annoy you. I'm not hung up on a word. I think people get really hung up on words and that's another way they're not living up to an expectation. Yeah. So I think self-love is self-exploration. I think it is kindness. I think it is curiosity. I think it is owning who you are. So if you're not an adventuresome person, own that too and love that. This is my my newest thing and, and this really works for me. I've gone to quite a number of self-help, self-woo-woo, you name the woo-woo, I've tried it, right? That's kind of part of where I'm at. Yeah. Um, and there's always a moment in these workshops where they're like, walk up to the mirror, look at your eyes and say, I love you. Like, I can't even say it straight. Because so when I look in the mirror, when they say that, I think I should really tweeze my eyebrow. <laughs> um, oh my God, is that another zit? I better not pick it. I'm like too much of a picker. Um, wow, like the lids on my eyes have gotten heavy. But like, really, I just go to my eyebrows because I'm like fanatical about tweezing my eyebrows. It's a thing. It's my thing. I have yeah. a thing about hair. Anyway, so what I prefer now instead is I've been doing this for a couple months now. I not looking at anything. I could be driving in the car and being in a mood. And then I just say, I love you, Holly. And when I say that, what I feel is how I love other people coming back. And that hit my mic. That feels amazing to me. So I think I would challenge anyone listening to try doing that because it feels very different than looking in the mirror and saying, I love you put a post-it and say, I love you manifest love by saying, I love, no, you is like out. It's like, you're just throwing it out to the universe is going nowhere. It really needs to be. I love you, Holly. Yeah. I love you, Anna. I love you, Rosaria. Like, like whatever your name is, I want you to put it in there. And I know you're making a face. It's the end. And I don't care. I'm making a face back at you. Just try it. And it will feel It'll feel magical. Go ahead, your turn. 
I love you, Katie. See, I love doing that. I love to, I do, See? In, I do it in the shower a lot. <laughs> Even better naked. You yeah. have some naked love. Yeah. But yeah. She, she put her hands on her heart. You like that's, and, but like, and her face looks different now. I'm just saying it just lands so different. Yeah. Um, so I think if you are starting your self-care journey and if anything I said is overwhelming, start small, just start small. If you can say that statement, hmm that's huge. So whatever it is, wherever you're at, there's no judgment on that either. Right. Do you be you life's too short to be in uncomfortable bras or uncomfortable relationships. And that includes the one that you have with yourself. Absolutely. Right. I could not say it any better. Could not say it any better. Okay. I love it. Holly, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, where is the best place for them to do so? The best place is my website, hollyhughesintuitive.com. And I'm most active on Instagram, also Holly Hughes Intuitive. Beautiful, beautiful. And I'm going to make sure to link those in the show notes, as well as the link to your beautiful book. And I have not yet read it. It is totally on my list. Um, and the cover is beautiful. I can't stop looking at the cover. It's right beside your face. <laughs> <laughs> I do that on purpose. Yeah. So everyone should know. So it's real, not perfect. It's me laughing. And, and when you get the book, it's free on Kindle Unlimited if you have Kindle Unlimited. But my eyes aren't all the way open or closed. It's not Photoshop. So you could see gray hair and like you know, the makeup isn't perfect. And the whole point is I picked that photo because it's real. And I'm laughing. My big, big toothy smile. So yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay, Holly, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your beautiful self and your story and for being very patient with my three dogs in the background. Um, <laughs> thank you for being here. I'm really, I really appreciate you. And I'm really, really grateful for you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you. All of the links mentioned during the episode are down in the show notes. Please make sure to go on over and check them out. Also, please remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And I would be forever grateful if you would go on over and leave us a review on iTunes as well. That's going to help this message reach more women. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Here is to you loving yourself.